Hello, welcome. It's I'll Grieve You With This, the podcast that uh, you've uh, found your way to. You know what it is. You read the description. It's me, Michael Walsh. I'm the host. And this is episode nine. We're almost into the double digits. I appreciate everyone who's listened so far. Very excited about today's episode. I had a really nice conversation with comedian Lizzie Cassidy about how much grief sucks and how much we miss our dads and a whole lot of other things in between. I appreciate her for telling her story. I think that's all the further introduction this needs. Episode 9, I'll grieve you with this, with Lizzie Cassidy. Cool. So, my guest today, Lizzie Cassidy. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, uh, like the past two guests I've interviewed, you and I have known each other for a couple of years, and I consider you a friend. I gotcha. But I, apart from like comedy interactions, I don't really know a ton about your background. So for the sake of me and the listener, you want to just, before we do a dive into the grief zone, sure. do you want to just tell me, you know, your background, what, what got you into comedy, and then we'll, uh, then we'll tackle the trauma. Sure. Um, I'm from upstate New York. Uh, terrible, terrible, boring place. Um, and then when I was like a teenager, I got really into stand up, like listen, watching stand up, listening to stand up and like podcasts had just gotten really big. So I got really into like the like comics talking about stand up, you know, like sure. that version of podcast that's now like the worst and so outdated. Um, and so I got like obsessed with it and I wanted to do it, but I didn't know how. So I moved to New York and went to theater school. And then, um, I did like two or three open mics, but like it was scary and I hated it. And then, um, when, where was the, where was the first open mic at? Under St. Mark's. Oh, okay. It was in New York. I started East village. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was like, it was, it was one of these things where like, there's a bucket, but they pull names out of the bucket and that's the order you can sign up for the list. So it's like a bucket and a list. I hate that so much. It was awful. And I, however it happened, I ended up going up at like one in the morning and I, I, and I sat through like the whole thing, you know? Um, just like so nervous. I don't even really remember it, but then, um, like when I was like 20, I quit smoking weed. And at the time I was like smoking weed all day, every day, like constantly. And I was like, Oh, if I, I was in college and I was leaving class that day. And I was like, Oh, if I go home right now, I'm going to smoke weed. So I went to an open mic instead. And then real, uh, real two roads diverged in the (laughs) (laughs) moment. And then I did three open mics that night because oh, I wanted wow. to go home and hit the ground running. I started just doing that every night. So okay. cool. That's kind of how I got into stand up. Yeah, guess. caught the bug. Yeah, that's created cool. one addiction for another. Yeah, well, and I started probably, drinking probably, while I did stand up and yikes. <laughs> equally toxic uh, vices. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it could yeah, be yeah. argued. Yeah. And then I was like, I guess I'll put all my eggs in this basket. And I dropped out of college. And now this is all I do. Nice. Well, you could do worse for yourself. Um, Well, that's good. So um, 
when I do this podcast, it kind of feels like I'm an ambulance chaser. And uh, right. I, I know that you lost someone very recently. Um, do you mind? Do you mind telling me about? Uh... Yeah. Wouldn't it be crazy if I came on your podcast? And I was like, actually, I do mind. I thought we were talking it. comedy shop <laughs> only. Yeah. Um, um, my dad died suddenly and on February 1st of this year. Yeah, so geez. my condolences. Oh, I guess it's July 1st. So it's been six months. Is that right? It would be five months. Five I think. months, something like yeah. that. Doesn't so, time yeah. just sort of not really exist in the same way that it used yeah. to after a loss? It's almost like to me right now, saying five months feels like so long. Like right. it, it, I almost like want it to be a shorter amount of time because it still feels like it just happened. And like, I feel like people who haven't lost someone don't understand that. Like, that's not very long at all. No, no, not at all. Um, and you know, you're, uh, a little less into the woods than I am, but I certainly think that, um, <laughs> there's so many times where I'm like, well, I've processed this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even near, uh, completing, you know, what I need to do with my brain to sort of well, I don't even know what my goal is, but it's, it's still sometimes unbelievable to me. And it's been almost three years for me since I lost my father. So, um, I'd like to think that it, I don't know, it doesn't get easier, but, uh, uh, a quote that I've used before on the second podcast, I had a, someone told me you, you get, you get used to it, but you never get over it. Yeah. Somebody told me that like, it never gets easier to think about or to remember, but like the time in between when you are thinking about it gets longer. Like you can go like, eventually you can go like a day with that and like have fun with your friends without thinking about it. Sure. You know, but at this point it's kind of, a, a, is it a constant Yeah, it's uh, like noise in the background? I would say at this point, it's like, I can go like do things and enjoy things and have fun. And then like, as soon as I'm like quietly on the train by myself going home, I'm like, oh, fuck, my dad's dead. Yeah, I've noticed that about myself. You know, I'm a, I keep myself busy all day and I'm all constantly fidgeting and stuff. But if I yeah, ever sit, st if I sit still and, and sort of uh, am left alone by thoughts for a while, I'm like, yeah, wow. Yeah, well, I, uh, I quit drinking eight yeah. months ago today, actually, also. Yeah, um, wow. The day of anniversaries. So, uh, I yeah. mean, huge props to you for not uh, not relapsing. Yeah, I was gonna. I fully planned on it when my dad was dying, but I didn't. But um, people always ask me, like, I'll still go hang out at bars with my friends till like 4 a.m. And people are like, how do you do this sober? And it's like, oh, I don't want to go home. Ah, like, yeah. I'm having, this is way easier than like sitting at home and being like, fuck, this still sucks. Sure. Yeah. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I noticed that in other people, um, in the, in the face of grief, they take a spin class or start fucking, right. you know, uh, bird watching or something. And these are both examples. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, I'm not referring to people that I actually know subtweeting. Yeah. The point is, uh, I know a lot of people that are like, shit, uh, I need to go on a trip. I need to go bicycling. I'm going to figure out something else. I'm going to, you know, 
I did a ton of comedy as soon as my dad died. Cause I was like, shit, what am I going to do besides open mics? It's the only thing I do before. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I felt so much relief the day that I came back to New York because it was like, Oh, like I I'm still like a person, you know, like yeah. I still have like my life, which is not just like being like living inside this thing that happened. Like I can like, I have friends and I have things that I do that are fun and stuff. Right. And I'm not just like sitting in my childhood home, like <laughs> living in this horrible thing. Yeah. Um, so you said your father's death was sudden and I'm, yeah. assu- I'm assuming you went upstate to be with the family. That's what you mean by when you got back to New York. Yeah. So my dad, um, was diagnosed with essentially like skin cancer um, the day after Christmas of this past year. Oh, wow. And they were like, oh, it'll be fine. Like, we're going to treat it. We caught it early. No big deal. No worries. I was like, do you want me to stay here? And my dad was like, no, it's fine. Like, nobody's making a big deal about this. And then um, a week before he was supposed to start treatment for it, he um, had a seizure and was taken to the hospital and they were like, it spread to his brain and there's really not much we can do right now. And then uh, about a week after that, he died. I'm so sorry. That's an insanely short timeline. Yeah, it was, it was like crazy sudden. I, when my dad first went to the hospital, um, you know, it was the same thing because like they told us it wasn't a big deal. My mom was like, you don't need to come home. Like, don't freak out. Right. Everything's fine. And then a few days later, my mom called me and was like, I think you should come home. And I knew that I didn't want to, but I, I was pretty sure that that meant that this was at least way more serious than I thought it was. And then when I got there, my brother picked me up at the train station, brought me to my mom's house. And my mom like sat my brother and I down and was like, we have to have like a really difficult conversation. And it was about them deciding to move him into like essentially hospice care instead of trying to like fix something that was not fixable. Yeah. Yeah. You learn words like hospice is such a word that I never thought about until my dad died and like uh, palliative and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's that's, yeah, it's, I can't imagine. Cause, um, so were you able to visit him or be with him in the, in the days before he passed? By the time I got there, he was not conscious or responsive, which is horrible. And I hate that. But I also think like knowing my dad before I got there, he like wasn't himself. So I think knowing him, like he probably would have preferred it that way which is like very cold comfort but it's something you know was he the type that didn't want any sort of uh to be sympathized or like to yeah yeah he's i mean he's like he was like an irish catholic football coach like but also like a hippie and like a socialist type of guy but like very he was very empathetic and very kind sounds like um didn't want people to like make a fuss about him or anything Sounds like your father and my father would have been friends. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah. Your dad smoked weed. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> he must have. Well, yeah. not in recent years, but uh, he was also Irish Catholic, but like very much um, 
I don't think he would identify as a socialist, but he was very much for yeah. ch- championing championing uh, causes of the underdog and disenfranchised and homeless people. And uh, he's yeah. very just justice driven. Um, yeah, I don't know if my dad would call himself a socialist, but there was one time like a year, a couple years ago where we were hanging out and talking about politics. And my dad was talking about like what he wants in like the government. And I was like, dad, that's socialism. You're a socialist. And then the next morning we were all having breakfast. And my mom is like a career Dem lib. Like her dad was a politician, blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? And, well, yeah. He was the governor of New York. My Get the dad. fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Burying the lead. I know. So my mom like came downstairs and my dad was reading the paper and he looked at my mom and he was like, Lizzie says I'm a socialist. <laughs> wow. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's nice to be able to challenge your parents' politics when you, when you, yeah, it's also cool to have like, have had a parent who was like receptive and open to like learning and getting better and not just being like, well, this is the way things are, you know, like, of course, I mean, you and I have no shortage of friends that are comedians whose entire uh, personality is informed by the fact that their parents are the polar opposite of them. And, you know, I know so many people that are like, my fucking parents are voting for Trump. I can't do anything about it. Right. I'm like, I'm like, my parents cry <laughs> when right, they right. see wounded animals. Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. hundred uh, percent. So it's, it's very like, I feel very lucky to have had parents that are like that, that like the worst thing that happens is my mom is like, well, you kids just have to vote. And I'm like, we did mom. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Mom, always encouraging me to do my civic uh, duty. to vote locally. Yeah. Um. Well, that's real rough. Do you uh, tell me about your father's sense of humor, if you don't mind? My dad was like the funny one in my family. Okay. Like, I I think I'm I think I'm funny because my dad was funny. Like. My mom is like a very kind person, bless her heart, but like bless her heart, zero, that- zero sense of humor. <laughs> like yeah. my mom is the type to be like watching a movie, like a comedy, and they'll do something like wacky and zany. And she'll be like, now, why would they do that? No one would actually <laughs> do that. And you're like, that's the joke, Nancy. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. My dad loved comedy. He loved stand up. Uh, he was really funny and he was like a career bartender. So like he uh, lived all over the world bartending for like 25 years. And so he learned to be like really funny sure. doing that because that's how you make money. Yeah. You know? So he was like extremely charismatic and funny. Like he had, he had all these like stock jokes that he would tell. Um, do, you so hit, do you want to hit me with your favorite one? It's kind of long, but oh. it's like, um, so like, let's say that, two guys sat down at my friend's bar or my friend, my dad's bar and they were friends and uh, he would learn their names. Like if their names were like Mike and John, he'd be like, let me see if I can remember the joke. So he'd be like me, if I'm him, he's like me, Mike and John all get in a car accident together and die. And we go up to heaven and we're at the pearly gates and we hear over the loudspeaker like John report to a room 242 and John goes in the room and there's this like horrific, disgusting looking woman who's mean 
and like smells bad. And over the speaker, they're like, John, you've been a very bad boy. You're sentenced to eternity with this woman. And then next they're like, Mike report to room 315 and Mike goes to room 315 and it's like, and even somehow more horrific woman is there. And like, she's, she's awful. And she's immediately nagging him. And they're like, John, you've been a very bad boy. You're sentenced to be with this woman for eternity. And then he's waiting. And my dad's name was Tom. And they're like, uh, Tom go to room 412 and he goes into the room and like JLo walks in and he's like, wow, I must've been really good. And over the speaker here, JLo, you've been a very bad girl. Uh, <laughs> you're sentenced to spend eternity with That's this good. man. That's good. And then um, I had to give a eulogy at the funeral. And did I- you, let, me, let me stop just yeah. for the wording. Did you have to, or you did you chose to? I wanted to. Did you to. feel I like mean, it was your duty? Yeah, yeah. And I wanted right. to. Like I, uh, well, wanted to is a weird way to put it. Like No, no, I- uh, I spoke my dad's uh, wake as well, and it wasn't yeah. something that I had been planning to do. Yeah, I knew it was going to fucking suck, but it was like, I also knew that if I didn't do it, I would regret that. Yes. So I did it, and I um, like put a few of my dad's jokes in it. That's nice. So I thought that that was like a good way to be like, because I, I didn't want to obviously I'm a comedian. I didn't want to not say anything funny, but I also didn't want to be like using this as an opportunity to be funny. So one of the things my dad would always say is like, if somebody he knew died or like a celebrity died, he would say like, all great men are dead and I'm not feeling so well myself. And so I like put that in there and a couple other little. That's a nice one. Yeah. I like your dad's aphorisms. Yeah. Yeah, he had a bunch of them. He was funny. Um, so at the funeral, how did that feel? Did, uh, was it, uh, you know, how did that feel? What a terrible question. I know that funerals <laughs> are like reunions where you're just like, oh, shit, all of a sudden I see that yeah. cousin I haven't seen in 10 years or so-and-so. Right. And well, you're thing- kind of bombarded with condolences and gestures that are well-intentioned but feel like nothing to you. How was that experience? And was there any like sort of particular, like, I don't know, did anyone say anything? For sure. I mean, um, the thing about my dad is like, like I said, he was like extremely charismatic. So, and he had lived in my hometown his whole life. Well, other than when he was like traveling, bartending, but he grew up there and then moved back there to raise a family. Um, And he was like extremely popular. So the wake lasted like six hours. Oh, wow. Because like the whole town came. Yeah. And it was (laughs) like an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like great. But also, especially when somebody dies suddenly, it's like, I really fucking don't want to be here. And like, yeah, because I, I left my hometown when I turned 18 and like, I look different now. I don't go back a lot. So there were a lot of people coming up to me and being like, Oh, how did you know Tom? Oh, and I'd wow. be like, he's my dad. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so that sucked. And then like my mom's whole family came to my hometown. To, I'm from Albany, New York. My mom's whole family came to Albany. And I, my dad's family mostly lives there. And then like from the week my dad died, there was a week between when, when my dad died and when the funeral was because our priest was in Florida. Um, so we had to get him back before we could do it. 
And within that week, there were so many things that were like, just like people getting hammered in my house. And like part of, I had- Real like Irish said, funeral. Oh yeah. And like, I had only been sober for three months, but I was the only sober person there. Yeah, so I awesome. had to like take care of everybody else, which was a real bummer. You know, like there was one night where I was like, just sitting in my room trying to like watch TV and not, it was actually, I think it might've been the night that my dad died. Um, and my brother decided to go to a bar and my cousin was like, Oh, I'll go keep an eye on him. And I was like, sweet. Thank you. I appreciate that. And like two hours later, my cousin pulls up in an Uber and is hammered. And my brother calls me and says that he had to send him home from the bar because he got so drunk. Wow. He's trying to drive home from my house. And somebody comes up to me and is like, can you just get him to stay on the couch? And I was like, yeah, I can. But can we all also remember that my dad died today? Yeah, <laughs> like, holy And shit. I'm also 25 and you're all in your 50s. Like, can someone else handle this? So there was like yeah. a lot of shit like that. Um, so my mom, my brother and I created a rule that like nobody was allowed upstairs in the house. So that if one of us was up there, that was like a safe zone. Like, yeah, that was like don't you're not allowed to come into my room and talk to me. Sanctuary from the yeah. relatives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that sounds real, um, real tough. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a good, uh, like, trial by fire of being sober, you know? Certainly. Like, my, my sister was eight months pregnant when my, when my uh, dad died, so she, she got real drunk, obviously. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> you know, I, I felt bad for her, not that she... Yeah. <laughs> Not that she uses alcohol necessarily like I do, but certainly in that moment, I was just like, wow, you really have no um, way to view this through a different lens other right. than sobriety. Nothing to like lean on. Yeah. I, uh, I remember like standing in my kitchen, looking at an open bottle of Jameson, which was my drink, you know, and there was literally like a shot glass next to the bottle. And I was like thinking like, I could, and there was like just enough left in the bottle that I could get shit faced without like hurting myself. Yeah. Like it was like the perfect storm of things. And I remember thinking like, I could get fucking hammered right now and nobody would be mad. Like none of, I, I never told my family that I was an alcoholic. I just told them I quit drinking or I stopped, I like wasn't drinking, but obviously my friends here knew. And, um, I was like, if I start drinking again, nobody's going to, care nobody's going to be right. able to say anything to me nobody's going to be mad at me but i think i had realized that like it wasn't going to make me feel better it wasn't going to make it like it wasn't going to like numb me to it it wasn't going to make it funny or fun yeah. it was just going to make it worse like i would be crying more and like more upset and like yeah. more of a mess so that was sort of the thing where i was like oh yeah like i i'm a person who can't drink like yeah there, there's no way that this ends well because like well, there's no way that i don't finish that bottle sure well i mean good on you for exercising some self-control and probably what was the most had to be the most testing time yeah uh, definitely imaginable um yeah and we had like an open liquor bar at the funeral reception because we're irish so that was also a tough one, right. you know, like people yeah. coming up to me with drinks in their hand to give them to me and having to be like, oh, I actually stopped drinking. Yeah. 
yeah, I could see that being a lot of triggers in that environment. Um, yeah. Did your dad have opportunity to see you do stand up? No, which is which sucks. Um, I always wanted him to, and like, I, I was like weird about it because I talk about sex on stage. No, of course. So I like didn't want my parents to see me, and like, um. I, I had done a show in Albany and they wanted to come and I told them not to. And, you know, I always thought like maybe one day I'll get on like a late night show or I'll get like a comedy central digital 10 minutes or something. And then I can yeah. send that to them and like, they won't have to be in the room and it'll be more like, you know? And so uh, now, yeah, I really, I really hate the fact that my dad never saw me do stand up, but um but he knew before, your, he knew your comedic sensibilities i assume just through yeah who you are and right. i mean like we would talk about it and and a few months before he died we had a conversation where he asked me if i was ever going to go back to college and i was like uh this isn't like a hobby this is my career like this yeah. is what i'm doing and he surprised me with how much he understood that that's fantastic like, I think he thought that I wasn't thinking of it that way, which was why he was worried about it. And then once I told him that I was, he was like, oh, great. Now just like take it really seriously and be good at it. Yeah. Well, good. And you are taking it seriously and you are good at it. So thanks. Yeah. I'm sorry he didn't get a chance to see you, but I certainly understand the um, <laughs> yeah. self-consciousness about being like, oh, my parents. You know. And like, not only do I talk about sex, I talk about like guys who are mean to me, fucking me. Like, I don't want my dad to right. like watch yeah. me talk about that. That's horrible. Yeah, it's interesting. There is, I mean, there's jokes I've written that I'm like, there's no way my parents could even understand what I'm saying, let alone relate to it, just because of the way right. that I talk and my the differences in generations. But, um, I think at the end of the day, yeah. I need to divorce myself from the idea of yeah, I'm doing their judgment. Al- right. I'm doing shows in Albany in like two weeks for the first time since the last time I did, which was years ago. And my mom wants to come. And now I feel like I have to let her because, you know, people die. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like racking my brain for jokes that I can do that aren't. No, I think, fucking dirty. I think you should do your act and then she'll have a little insight into what it is that you do and who you right. are in New York, you know? Well, I was going to say, like, there aren't any. Like, I, I'll, like, start thinking of a joke and I'm like, oh, this joke is kind of clean. And then I remember the punchline is like, and then he came and left. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> that, one's, right. uh, that one's also about that. <laughs> yeah, and your jokes are not, like, they couldn't be made PG-13 by, like, change. And then he, <laughs> you know, you can't... Yeah, it's some like, of those can't... things cannot have a... Uh, yeah, a lighter yeah. uh, I can't say like crap instead of fuck and like fix yeah. it, you know. Right. Well, you know. Oh, whatever. You That'd be nice if she comes out. Has your brother seen you? Yeah, when I did chosen Albany, my brother came and like my childhood nanny, who I'm still really close with, came. Nice. Um, she was actually super close with my dad too. So it, she was like the only other person around who wasn't hammered during that whole time. And like, she was great, but she and her husband came and my brother and his best friend from childhood is also like a brother to me came and they didn't really tell me they were coming. 
And I was on stage and it was the Friday 10 o'clock show, which is like the the everyone's hammered show. Right. Like everybody's been drinking since they got off work at five. Yes. So like I didn't do particularly well and but I wasn't bombing either. And I was like halfway through my set and I looked over this table and saw just like my family essentially. And I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) You acknowledge that? Like, no, no. I only I was oh, wow. you're really so good I at only, keeping your composure. <laughs> well, I only had six minutes and I really sure. wanted the club to ask me back. So Yeah, you can't I was really. like I was like, just do the act. <laughs> and I also like I knew I knew that if I did that, it would make the rest of the audience really uncomfortable with my material. Like sure. Even if I now, if I'm on stage and I acknowledge that there's like a family in the audience. Yeah. Will stop liking my material. Cause they're like, you're talking about sex in front of this mother and son. I mean, children should not be allowed in comedy venues. But I mean, even adult children. I agree a hundred percent, but I mean even like kids who are like 19 who are there with their parents. Well, I mean, they got bigger problems if they're going to comedy shows with their parents at age. I know, have dinner together, talk to each other. Yeah, or just don't talk to each other like a normal teenage apparently. (laughs) What are you guys going to take in some sex jokes on a late night Friday show with mom and dad? I know. Uh, That is funny, man. Uh, I mean, comedically, of course, like, you know, I'll talk about anything on stage, but I'm not going to go home and talk to my mom about, you know, yeah jeff epstein fucking suicide pun or some bullshit because yeah that's we just operate in different worlds and she doesn't need that for me and i don't need to interact with her in that capacity yeah it's one of those things where i feel like especially like my my dad got my sense of humor but everyone else in my family like in my extended family when i talk about the fact that i'm a comedian i feel like they're shocked because they don't think i'm funny because i'm not funny around them like when I hang out with comics, it's like um, the thing is to like make the worst joke, like yeah. without being without like saying a racial slur or something like throw out like some joke that's like cra- that you can only say around people like this. Sure. So it's like I'm not like being funny when I'm around them. I'm being yeah. like polite, you know, right. and then you're like, oh, I'm a stand up comedian. And they're like, you <laughs> like because and then, like, and then they're like, well, tell us a joke. And you're like, so the other guy, this guy was right. treating me like shit while <laughs> choking. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. Like, oh, this, I was expecting yeah. a little more like, I don't know. Yeah, so like was, the other day I was like, is this guy hitting me because he gets off on it? Or is he trying to hurt me? Is that uh, funny? Uh, you guys like that? <laughs> and they're like, and that works on stage? Yeah. <laughs> and, and people like that? You do that? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. New York is, uh, it's a lot different down, downstate than upstate. Yeah. Um. That's funny. Have you um have you spoken about your father's death on stage yet? Is that no, a, is that something I, you feel like you even want to do? Um not a ton, you know, like if sure. I if I happen to write something about it, I'll talk about it, but I'm not like sitting down trying to write about it. I don't think that it's like uh I don't feel super like it's super important for that part of me to be on stage. And I fair. I also don't think I find it funny at all yet. That's that's totally fair. So like that I I have said one thing on stage I um somebody who went up before me was talking about her dad dying suddenly and how you like make a bunch of rash decisions because you don't really know what to do. And I went on after and I was like my dad also died suddenly. 
And I totally get that because we tried to bury him in a Tommy Bahama shirt because like we yeah. didn't, my dad didn't have a suit, you know, like, was there a time budget <laughs> or something? You couldn't run to TJ Maxx. Well, <laughs> so we were like, Oh, we're going to bury him in his favorite shirt, which is a Tommy Bahama shirt. And the funeral home was like, we really recommend that you not. Like why? Because when they crack it open 50 years from now, someone's gonna judge it. I don't (laughs) know exactly. I think the thing, I mean, this is like a shitty thing to say, and I hate thinking about it this way, but I think the thing is like a suit like covers more so it like looks better. Because we had an open casket wake, which was horrible. And if anyone is listening whose parents are alive, I recommend you not do that. But um but I don't know, maybe it's better for some people. But for me, I was like, I really hate that we did that. Um, yeah, we didn't do that for mine. Yeah, it sucks. It's like, they they don't look like themselves. They never do. They look and... like the fucking wax museum figures that like go viral right. because they don't look anything like the, the, the right. celebrity. And it's just like, it's like so fucking sad to look at somebody that way. But, you know, my mom and brother wanted it. My dad actually um, wanted to donate his body to science. Okay. Um, and he didn't but, ultimately. Well, or? he died before he could like, he had never officially like filled anything out. Okay, sure. And um, my mom and my brother are still Catholic. So they were like pretty against that. And part of me wanted to like. What is the fight? grievance between Catholicism and body donorship? Uh, because like part of a Catholic funeral is like the burial and stuff. Like, mm. so I don't know. I don't know exactly what the thing is, but they wanted to do everything very traditionally, like the way it's always been done. Sure. And they both like go to the cemetery a lot. Mm. And so I think like they probably wanted to be able to do that. Um, But I, I very quickly realized like I wanted, I wanted to be like, this is what he wanted. We should do this. But I was like, I, this is obviously very important to them. And I, this isn't the hill for me to die on right now. Yeah, that's fair. I did like, I fought very hard to make sure that he was at least like a candidate for organ donation because I knew that that was really important to him. So I did, I chose that instead, but because he had been in hospice for like a week, they were like, there's really not anything. Yeah. You can't like that we uh, can use rush that. Yeah. Oh Yeah yeah all right wow that's interesting about catholicism because uh my my father is from an extremely irish catholic family uh, you know he he was sent to seminary school when he was 14 yeah Ulti- ultimately didn't graduate uh obviously yeah, my dad went to notre dame um, okay sure had, and he had to take a you have to take like a theology class when you go to notre dame and my dad was already like a hippie weirdo who had gone like his first year of college. He went to college in Paris oh, and wow. like, you know, he was already like, whatever, not, not about that. And so uh, he like had a conversation with the priest who taught the class and the priest was like, if you just come every class, I'll give you a C. So my dad would pass an ice cream shop on his way to the class, would get an ice cream cone and sit in the back of the class and eat it and then leave. And he got a C. (laughs) Wow. Nice. Uh, I hate to do this, but I realized that we have a minute and 20 seconds before this cuts off. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to take a brief recess? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Recess. What is this fucking court? Um, (laughs) But give me like two minutes just because it needs to process what we have so far. No worries. 
Okay, cool. Thanks for doing this. I'm having fun. Yeah, me too. Fun. See you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Sounds good. And we're back. You can hear me? I can hear you. Can you Thanks. hear me? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, maybe before I record my next episode, I'll upgrade to the Zoom that uh, permits longer than 40 minutes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel so guilty when I'm like a minute 30, 37. I'm like, damn, well, this conversation is getting pretty deep. Yeah, and then you're like, well, I'm like giving my brain the light, like wrap it up, wrap it up. (laughs) Finish that anecdote about your father real quick. Yeah, Um, I just started my own podcast, and somebody was on talking to us about a time that she tried to kill herself. Oh boy! And I lit my co-host while she was talking about it. Then I was like, why did I fucking do that? (laughs) Wait, you guys light each other? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just to tell you, like, when you're at a certain. Yeah, I light him and he does like everything else, but I, okay. like we light each other like 40 minutes. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I was so like, I, sh- I should have waited. <laughs> my God. I mean, I was interviewing Stephen Rubino last week and <laughs> he's telling me about losing his father and his brother. And I noticed my computer is at fucking 5%. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, surely the battery will. And it didn't. And thank God the podcast was still recorded. But I'm like, good Lord, what am I? Yeah. What a nightmare. <laughs> What, what I'm trying to say is if anybody's listening to this and wants to be my producer, yeah, pro, pro bono, because <laughs> it's clear. Like, and also mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fucking let's get that plug out of the way. I always forget to do plugs, you know, when I'm talking about people's right. dead family members. I'm I was like, going to hey. say the, the 40 minute break does give a good opportunity for plug it. Like that's when you could do an ad read or a plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I'm assuming better help is going to come knocking on my door any one they of these better. days because they, they seem to sponsor all sorts of depraved comedy like, podcasts. I bet you get like a local funeral home. To like, Interest, maybe. You know, something like that. Do people take out local ads on podcasts that are international like this one? Um, <laughs> I've, I've like seen a few like wow. smaller podcasts where like it's like somebody's family friend like gave them sure. $200. So now they're like come to Gino's pizzeria in New Jersey. Yeah. And you're like, hey, okay, man. listen, oh. I wouldn't mind uh, plugging something. Rosa's pizza in uh, Ridgewood fucking toss me a gift certificate. And <laughs> I, I won't bleep this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you send them to it with like a note of like cut out magazine letters. Yeah. Uh, um, right. Well, uh, my podcast is called close calls. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at close calls podcast. And, uh, who's your who's your co-host producer kevin casey white oh right my yeah. co-host um and uh it's not out yet but follow us on instagram and it'll be everywhere you get podcasts so nice you got a couple in the we got a couple in the, in the it's a podcast it's a podcast about near-death experiences so similar vibe except the people live um sure, sure. and so we tell stories about like famous people who have almost died uh like survival situations and then we have comedians on and we have them tell us about times they almost died nice yeah that's cool i'll give you a follow it's a fun one um and my instagram is at lizzie cassidy lizzie with a y and uh lizaster on twitter yeah and you have a show and i have a show a monthly show at cobra club in brooklyn that's a local plug fuck it let me plug my show too i've never done it paper plug your show paper planes me and carrie burt hosted it's in uh, brooklyn at the jade bar monthly what <laughs> day of the week is it who knows like the third tuesday or something next one's july 19th yeah okay um, mine's july 28th so come to both yeah all right we'll see if uh 
Um, we'll see what the bump does. Cause usually when I ask people to plug their stuff, they're like, I have a show tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm not releasing this for like three days. Right. <laughs> I'm like, but this will be out well before then. And we'll see if it got the old, I'll yeah. Get, yeah, the old podcast bump. Come up to me after the show and be like, I heard you talk about your dad dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> show. Like great stuff. But I wish you had gone into more about this stuff about what you did on the podcast. Yeah, that's how we know you. So if you could talk about that more. Yeah, um, yeah. You're our favorite half orphan. <laughs> <laughs> is it? That is like a weird thing that I thought of when my dad died. I was like, oh, I'm so close to being an orphan. <laughs> yeah, you're just almost about Oliver Twist. Like, I feel like you think of an orphan as like something someone's always been. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. Like Oliver Twist was always an orphan, you right. know, but then you're like, oh, you you still can be. <laughs> yes. It is very strange to become, uh, you know, realize like, oh, shit. I thought my parents were going to be looking out for me for the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh-oh. Yeah. And it's another thing now where it's like my mom had to be like, hey, will you be like the arbiter of my will? Because it was your dad. And you're like, fuck, I don't want to do that. You know, like she's like, no, I she's like if there's any big medical decisions that are going to be made about me, you're going to have to make them. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been having that conversation. Um, yeah. Also, and it's just so weird to be like, yeah, bring paperwork into the the planning of of grief. Yeah. Luckily, my dad had um, filled out like a DNR form years ago and like signed it and had like a lawyer sign it saying that that's do not it. resuscitate. Yeah. Like, well, there's like different levels of do not resuscitate. But this was one where like if in a situation like the situation that happened where he's not going to be like cognitively functioning, sure. he shouldn't do it. So that it, it's great that he did that because it did make it like, we didn't have to sit around and be like, do we pull the plug now? Right. Enough? It was like, Oh, this is just what has to happen. Yeah. It's nice when people have their, um their own wishes sort of written down. And I yeah. feel like people find that more important in the light of losing someone to be like, yeah i should get my ducks in a row um, yeah you don't want your family to have to sit around and be like uh, i don't know yeah yeah luckily we didn't have any sort of like disagreements over what to do and uh i don't know i mean you know how what it's like i was in barely remember this couple of months when you're just like going through the motions yeah. of like oh well yeah i think we also got lucky that it was only like a week because there was like a few days there where I was like, am I going to be here for two months going to the hospital every day? Like having to like every day be like, is today the day that it's going to happen? Yeah. Likewise. Um, um, grateful is not the correct word for it, but my dad, you know, he, he went into hospice and he died four days later. Right. Um, yeah. And there was certainly a bit of like, this could be two, three months. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, there was definitely like a few days there where, and this is so sad, but like, I think my brother thought that something could be done. And so like the hard part was to convince someone that like, this is actually it, you know? Yeah. I mean, people really hold out hope till the very end. Uh, uh, do you think, um, Geez, how about this? Uh, so your father was not really a cognitive when you got there. So do you think he, I usually ask people if they think the person accepted what was going to happen to them, but yours, in your case, it was kind of without warning. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, 
you know, when my dad was diagnosed with cancer a few weeks before it happened, he was very like, you know, this is something that happens and we're going to do whatever we have to do. And that's it, you know? Uh, so I think, I, I don't, you know, I don't think he would have been thrilled about it, but I do think that like, um, do you think I, there was any sort of, uh, acceptance? Yeah, I think he would have been very relieved that we could stop going through that. Like, sure. So I don't know so much about acceptance because I don't really know what he was like the few days before he went fully, like he was like completely unconscious by the time I got there. Yeah. But I don't really know what the few days before that were like, but, um, you I know, mean, I do, I do know that he wouldn't have wanted to, even if he could have been like in a wheelchair forever and like a little cognitively less functional. I know he wouldn't have wanted that. Sure. Yeah. And honestly, that's such a short timeline. Even I, I know it was like six weeks from the diagnosis, but like it was the, yeah the stuff that happened. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, sudden death is totally different than the, you know, long protracted type of death, but uh, yeah, but uh, I think in the same case, sometimes people do not accept what's happening to them, even when all of medical evidence is presented to them. They're just like, well, you know, perhaps a miracle. Yeah. And uh, I don't say that my dad was, I don't want to say he was in denial, but he was a, he was kind of person that, um, and I don't disagree with this philosophy that uh, consider that attitude will affect physical health. Right. right. If you go into, and I don't disagree with it. um, Yeah. hundred percent. But there's a certain point where it's like, when you're confronted with evidence that is, uh, you know, devastating or news, um, you might just be like, well, maybe, you know, whatever. I yeah. think, in, I think in the final week, he sort of vocalized to me like, well, if this is, the, if this is the time, this is the time. But I, I don't think he felt like his work was done. You know, he was still in contact with random people on that were down on their luck that he would just sort of mentor like in a not even in a professional way and uh you know some of those people had no idea that he was dying to the point where he's still texting them like the day he died he's getting texts yeah that's Uh, crazy my dad was the same way like my dad had a lot of people in his life that he was sort of like a mentor to in the same way and like that's that's all those people in the same way were so shocked when it happened they were like i didn't even know he was sick because he didn't tell any right right um it's interesting. Uh, sorry, I'm going to fuck with my lighting because my okay. shit's fading to black. Um, it's interesting to, uh, you know, uh, you said your father didn't really necessarily receive sympathy with open arms. And I would say the same thing about my dad. He, he was a very emotional guy, but uh, right. he was constantly considering the less fortunate, you know? Yeah, my dad um, was a volunteer for the Center for People with Disabilities in my hometown. and so much so that like he was doing the job of someone who should have been paid. Sure. And yeah. like, he was like running a department yeah. and he was like, this organization doesn't have any money. I'm not going to take a paycheck from them. And a few months before he died, thankfully he was alive to see it. They like named a building after him. That's great. Because they were like, this guy has done so much. And like, in it's in the same way, like, again, like, 
like you said, like a very emotional guy, a very like, not like one of these like cold, closed off Irish Catholic people by any means. Right. Um, but yeah, I think he felt like he was never the one who like needed help and he never wanted to be. He always wanted to be like helping other people. I think there's a bit of Catholicism in that too, just like the independence, like, hey, I'll, I'll deal with my own problems internally. I want to yeah. help other people. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, it's nice that we share that uh, we were raised by... <laughs> loving people people. yeah Um, but yeah it's uh so yeah i mean just to try to honor his legacy of i try to be less judgmental you know sometimes when fucking crackheads ask me for money i'm like well actually i I still don't give crackheads money but when i see homeless (laughs) people i you know i bought some guy a bottle of water and gave him some socks today because that's like my dad used to do that a lot he would bring socks to the homeless shelter and he would literally fucking wash homeless people's feet and give them foot care. And they would call him like sock doc. I don't even think no oh. people knew what his name was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, so I think of that when I see people, you know, you don't really, he would instill the idea in me that you really don't know what other people are going through. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I certainly have less, uh, I think I'm an empathetic person, but I'm also, I'll be quick to tell someone to fuck off or, you know, I'll punch right. a car if you cut me off in traffic and I'm on my bike. Right. Uh, but I do try to, when I'm mindful of, of, you know, what his philosophy was, I try to fucking yeah. <laughs> try to be a little more empathetic. Yeah. I think like something I think about a lot is like people like homeless people or severely disabled people are people who like most of us look at and you're like, oh, there, there isn't even anything I could do to help. Right. And then I think about how my dad was. And like, one of the things my dad did was just like, he helped them create a like program that provided disabled people transportation to like school and doctor's appointments and stuff. And it's like, you're not fixing the pro like you're not fixing the fact that this kid's in a wheelchair or something but that's not what you have to what you have to do is get this kid in a wheelchair to the doctor yeah or like something like that like give him a sense like of that. community let him yeah. know that someone cares yeah um, and like there are things you can do to help people that aren't going to fix their situation like give them socks or something yeah yeah it's kind of yeah. like you know the bumper sticker think globally act locally like yeah i am not going to overthrow the government but right. i could at least <laughs> you know maybe educate some people about problems that we have systemically and yeah. maybe uh make sure the guy that i see at the subway stop every day maybe every other day i'll fucking toss him a buck or something which is even an yeah. over exaggeration of my uh, philanthropy <laughs> it's yeah. not that I mean, frequent but or even to talk to them to talk to a yeah. person like that that is something where they're like shit most people just either ignore me despise me or uh extend sympathy yeah. but if you just go hey man what's your life about or even to just like look someone in the eye and be like i'm sorry i don't have any cash yeah it's like more than a lot of people are doing you know right, right. um like it, especially like everything that's happening right now with like roe v wade being overturned is like i can't burn down the supreme court but i can buy a year's supply of plan b right and send it to my friend if they need it you know like yeah 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 that you, you can, can you can organize you can yeah. uh but it's like the point being like you don't have to fix the world's problems to help people you can still help people and like yeah, i think that's, that's something that my dad was very about he also like 
he was a teacher before he was a bartender. So he, once he moved back to Albany, he became like an advocate for children and family court, okay. which was also an unpaid job. That he what did he did. teach? Some sort of legal English. Oh, okay. Um, I- so he, he, it wasn't like a, he wasn't doing anything from a legal standpoint. He was literally being like, Hey, I talked to this kid. She doesn't want to live with her dad. Like, oh, I know yeah. you guys think that because he makes more money and has a more stable right. job that that's what's best for her, but she doesn't get along with him. I imagine. And so you need to consider that when you make this decision. Yeah, totally. I imagine that would make him kind of a target for some of these people as far as like uh jilted, uh, yeah, you know, father, I mean, you know, if it like, did, he'd never told us about it. Sure. But, uh, things like things like that were things that he was really, he was, he was like, my dad was the dad where like, if one of my friends was having an issue with their parents, they could like come live with us for a summer. Sure. Like I had like nannies growing up because they like were teenagers who needed money so they could go to college. You know, even though my dad was a stay at home dad, he was like, let's hire a nanny right. so that she can, you know, like her life will be better with this extra cash and yeah. she can like help the kids with their homework. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he was a great guy and he, he probably had a pretty, um, pretty big footprint. Yeah. In your, it was also in like, like I said, like the whole town came out, there was like, uh, like every local bartender came like weeping to my dad's wake. Like, so even like not just helping people, but also being like a good hang. Sure. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that's important. Yeah. You can't just be the guy who's real nice, but no personality. Yeah. You got to be charismatic. You can, but not but, as many yeah. people are going to show up at your wake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, really fucking sorry you lost him. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. Back at you. Yeah. You know, anybody who hasn't dealt with it someday will. Unless you die before your parents. Unless you die before, which I recommend. (laughs) Live fast, die young, never feel grief. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know. It is funny, like, how much people don't understand it and how much I didn't understand it until it happened. No, it's just something you don't. And, like, and then you get the people, like, uh, who come up to you who are, like, I totally get what you're going through. My grandma, my grandma died a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, my fucking dog has cancer. Like, yeah, oh, and you're like, you're 35. Your grandma is supposed to be dead. I hate. I, I know. But you're an adult, and it's crazy that you think that's the same. I fucking know. Uh, believe me. I think my youngest grandparent was born in 1919. So when, when people are like, <laughs> "Oh, my Grammy," I'm like, "What?" Yeah. But I don't know. Those are the people that are like, my parents are 18 years older than me. My grandma's 40 years older than me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I thought there's 50 years in between generations. Yeah. I mean, there, it was also something where like my mom's mom died when she was 16. Okay. And like, I never really understood that. This is going to sound awful, but I never understood that enough to really give a shit because like, I never met my mom's mom. I sure. didn't know my mom when she was a teenager, obviously. Yeah. My mom had me when she was like 37. Okay. So like she was so far removed from that that I never thought about it. And then when my dad died, my mom was like, I'm so like heartbroken that you're going through this and like talking to me about it. And I then I that's when I first like made the connection. I was like, oh holy shit, you went through this. Yeah. No. Like I'm 25. My mom was 16. I was yeah. like, oh, you know exactly what this is like. Yeah. Like this isn't 
in my head, like my nuclear nuclear family was my mom's family. But then you something like this happens and you're like, oh, you like you are also someone's daughter and you've also lost of now. Course. Of course. Now. Yeah. Um, would you say that? So your mom is more vocal about discussing it. Well, my mom is like, unfortunately had so much death in her family. Like when she was like 12, two of her brothers died. When Jesus. she was 16, her mom died. When I was a kid, one of her other brothers died. What are you, they, Kennedys? <laughs> like my, my friends and I joke that we're like white trash Kennedys. Cause like nice. yeah. my grandfather was the governor and yeah. we are Irish Catholic. Right. Also, yeah. 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 We're also like scrappy, you know, <laughs> you're also <laughs> cereal philanderers. Yeah. We also like eat shake and bake though. So we're like not quite Kennedys. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So, and then my mom's dad died when I was like 12 and then I, like two years ago, her sister died. So like, she can talk about death. Like, like she's an expert, you know, and like, well, that's good. I mean, not she, good, but some people suffer a lot of death and they don't speak on it ever. Right. And she like, she knows that going to the cemetery makes her feel better. Like she does things that she knows are like gonna, she has like a process kind of. Sure. Um, and she also was super great about like, I wanted to come back to New York as quickly as I could but I was like worried about like, I didn't want to like leave my mom and brother like in Albany. I left, sure. I, I left the day after the funeral and I wasn't going to, because I was worried about that. And I was talking to my mom about it and she was like, your brother and I have people here. Yeah. Like I, because of the type of person I am, the people I was friends with in high school all moved to cities. Sure. It's like, we all wanted to do things that you have to live in cities to do. Right. So like my mom was like, go, like go where there are, That's where good. your people are and like where you can. Well, she probably knew that you had, you had a community of support here as right. well. Right. Yeah. I mean, like oh. I was like on the phone the whole time and also like, this is so moving, but like my, I've had the same best friend since I was three years old and she lives in Philadelphia and like the, day I called her and told her my dad was in hospice she just like drove to Albany yeah that's, like, nice. that's real sweet it's amazing but it was like so I had one person you know yeah, and yeah. like my childhood babysitter who lives there but other than that I was like I gotta get the fuck out of here and also something nobody talks about is like when somebody dies suddenly uh you have to live in this house that it looks like they still live in like oh, yeah my dad's sure. shoes are by the door his jacket is thrown over a chair yeah. like his my, his he would get like text messages which was so fucking weird like things like that that you're like oh i like can't be here sure. you know yeah no it's um and then it's the horrible thing of like when do we like put this stuff away like yeah sure i mean we pretty not pretty quickly but like in the spirit of what he would have wanted we donated a shit ton of his clothes to goodwill right but it is really weird to just be like you know, it's a fucking artifact of, of, of a bad thing that happened Yeah. to a really great person. Um, and you know, what am I going to do? Hold on to his fucking plaid shirts for the rest of my life that don't even fit me. No. Right. But right. it is very like, uh, and yeah, this, I mean, and in a, in a non-physical sense, I've noticed more and more lately. It's just any good news or bad news in my life is punct is punctuated by the fact that 
I always feel like I'm forgetting to call someone. I know. Like, and there's a, there's a seat at the table. There's no food on. And that's just like, yeah. Something I realized immediately was like every good thing that happens for the rest of my life is going to be a little sad. Yeah, Like it doesn't matter. Totally. It doesn't matter if it's 20 years from now, if I, if I get married 20 years from now, there's going to be a moment where like, there should have been a father daughter dance. Yeah. My brother's going to have to walk me down the aisle or something like there's going to be like sadness in that. And that's something that I never realized was true about losing a parent until I did. You know, you think it's something no, absolutely. Where, like, enough time passes and you're just a person with a dead dad. No, no, it's not like, it's that. like it. It never becomes like that. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, and like, like I was telling you earlier, my, my sister was eight months pregnant when my, I know that's so, so sad. but my nephew's birth was just such a, such a, just a fucking piece of good news that we all clung to so hard, you know, and he's such a sweet little boy. And it's nice to see my mom being a grandmother, but it was, you know, it's my, her only grandchild and my father's only grandchild and he never got to meet him. So every yeah. time, every time I see a fucking picture of my nephew, not every time. Yeah. And I love him so much, but I'm just like, damn, it's unfortunate you did. You didn't get to experience the, the extra amount of love that you would have gotten. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that is what it is. Uh, we live in the age of technology, so I can show him pictures and even videos of my dad when right. he grows up and he can, you know, even listen to his voice, but oh, it is. Yeah. yeah. I have all these voicemails on my phone of my dad and I was trying to like send them to myself in case like my phone ever craps out or something. Right. And when you go to send them to yourself, they start playing. Yeah. Like two weeks after my dad died and I was like, oh, yeah, I can't fucking do that. And I had to have like a friend take my phone and like do it. For Transfer me. it. Yeah, no, of course. I was like, I can't. Fu- but you want to have those things if you ever do want to like, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have so many fucking pictures on my phone that I'm pretty sure are backed up on a Google Drive and I still can't fucking delete them from my phone. I know. I and know. I'm like, if I lose my phone, I'll be like, no. And then I'll be like, I fucking still have these pictures. But this is like, I don't know. It's like a vessel of it's like a security blanket. Yeah, like a month um, ago or a few months ago, I fully sober dropped my phone in the toilet at Cobra Club. Oh no! And like it was at Cobra Club, no less. At Cobra Did Club, you get no fucking less. Fucking tetanus. And because <laughs> because of those fucking pictures and voicemails, I so quickly just put my hand right in that. Phone oh yeah, yeah, toilet. absolutely. And like then had a meltdown. Right. Luckily, like the only people that were there were like a couple of my best friends, but like like ran to a bodega to buy rice and like yeah, 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 yeah. went home and like wept and then like of course my phone was fucking fine that's good you know? but yeah, yeah it's, it's, um it's honestly good. i mean these things that we have it's nice to have all that shit but uh uh the other day i made the comparison it's kind of like fucking looking at the sun uh i really can yeah. only do it for a limited amount of time or oh, i need uh, uh, or i need a mirror or a, a lens or some or a picture of it yeah. But if you really fucking stare at it, it's it can be too much. It's over it's overwhelming. Totally. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um there was like somebody found a video of my dad and sent it to us like a day before the funeral and my mom and brother were watching it and I was like, "Oh, I've never seen this video before. Let me look at it." And I looked at it for like 2 seconds and I was like, "Nope." Yeah. 
Can't do that. A hundred percent can't do that. Jesus. Yeah, on Father's Day, I was like, oh, it's been almost three years. Everybody's talking about their father. I'll look at this video of my dad uh, in between commuting between jobs. And I fucking was so close to just being the guy crying on the train. But instead, yeah. I was the guy almost crying on the train, which is yeah. arguably worse. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. he looks like he's about to snap. The guy who's fully sobbing has already snapped. Right. And it feels like less of a threat. Right. Yeah. I'm but- just like, you know. Yes, people are looking uh, at you like, is this guy going to kill all of us or shit his pants? Because right. something's happening. And I'm all like, what the fuck? Literally 30 seconds ago, I was on Twitter just scrolling mindlessly. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, father, I want to look at this. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, or even like things you don't realize are going to get you. Like I saw a TikTok recently of like a dad at a gay pride parade, like hugging people whose dads didn't accept them. And like the first second, you're like, oh, that's so sweet. What a great guy. And then you think of like your actual dad. And I was like, just openly weeping in Tompkins Square Park. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, I got to get fucking visine and sunglasses just on me at all times. Yeah. And it's uh, also hard. Like, I don't know why this just made me think of it. But like, I've, I've met people that didn't know me before my dad died since it happened and like it's so you're like when do i tell them you know like and how do i tell them sure or like i'll like meet people and i'll like talk about my dad in the past tense and they're like oh this is the person whose dad died and then you have to be like by the way it was recently (laughs) right yeah it is fucking weird disclosing that to people or talking in the past tense in any way, because you're just like, yeah. Um, and people don't know how to react, you know. People don't. People, I, I found people love telling you about how sad they're going to be when it happens to them. And you're like, oh, yeah. But I, that's not where I thought this conversation needed to yeah, go. Yeah, right. They're like, oh, someday I'll use my grief to. Uh, make podcast content (laughs) it's also like I remember like some of my very close friends when I first came back from Albany were like oh I haven't seen you in a while how are you and you're like ah I'm okay you don't know if they like saw your one social media post or if they did and then I'd had friends like tell me stories about like a shitty show they had in Wisconsin or something and like complain about it for a while and they're like but anyway what's going on with you and you have to be like my dad died and they're yeah. like why did you let me talk about wisconsin and you're like because i don't know when to bring it i don't know like yeah 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 no absolutely i was at the creek once actually shortly after my dad died and someone's like you doing all right there. Well, i'm sorry i think i was there i remember talking to you at the creek shortly after. certainly you i was talking about it a lot but uh lupe came up to me and he was just like hey man are you doing all right and uh apparently he had not known <laughs> the yeah. news and i'm like that's weird because i'm pretty sure you liked this post that i made on social media but who knows you know i'm fucking insane hold on to that but yeah. i'm like yeah i'm doing okay you know it's it's been two weeks and he's just like what are you talking about and i was like oh am I, is my face just that <laughs> right uh uh grief filled um but yeah and then you go oh you, you didn't hear about that well i posted on facebook they got 500 likes yeah. i had a, yeah. a lot of pictures of my dad and then you're like oh wait other people don't know my story yeah, and they're, they're not thinking about it as much as you like. I remember the same thing happened to me with someone who had like commented on my post, like, if you need anything, let me know, like type of comment. 
So then when I saw her, I was like, oh, she obviously already knows. And then I like made some reference to like how I had been in Albany for two weeks. And she was like, oh, are you doing shows there? And I had to be like, oh, um, my dad, my dad was dying. And of course, like people feel awful, like, and I'm not criticizing any of those people at all, you know, like to them, it's like, they see something on Instagram and they're like, oh fuck, that's so sad. I feel so horrible for Lizzie. And then they have their whole life. Yeah. Then they keep scrolling and there's a sports blooper and then a promoted content and then pictures of their, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. Certainly people who, the people that do reach out to me the most are the people that know what the fuck it's like to have gone through it. Yeah. Also, I think like doing standup, you become friends with people that you never would have otherwise. Like people who, most of my friends are 10 years older than me or like, sure, whatever, like from all different walks of life. So like, I happen to have a lot of friends with dead dads, which it's not great that they have dead dads, but it's, it's great to know that like, there's a, you talk about it differently with people that it's happened to, you know, like there, it's almost like, it's obviously easier to talk to them about it. And it's like, I don't have to pretend that this is anything other than what it is. Like, you know, exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I don't know if this is a great comparison, but it's, it's like Vietnam vets who fucking do not speak of it except for to other people. They're right, like right, literally, yeah. literally only my peers know what this is like. So it's a moot point to try to explain it to someone else. Right. And I don't, I don't think uh, death or accepting death is that inaccessible, but certainly it's, it's the kind of thing you fucking, you really learn a lot in a short amount of time when it happens to you. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think a lot of other people have this like morbid curiosity about it. So sure. they'll like ask you questions in a way that you're like, okay, fucking relax. But yeah. then when you like meet somebody whose dad is also dead and you tell them, they're like, that really fucking sucks. Yeah. And you're like, right. it does fucking suck. Like they're right. not, they're not using the flower flowery language of like, oh, I'm so sorry. He seemed like a great guy. They're like, this fucking blows, man. Yeah. And you're like, and that's, and that's it. And that's, it is refreshing when people don't sugarcoat it and you go, yeah, it does suck. And I'm, you know, yeah, it's it's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel cheated. It's okay to be like, why the fuck my dad? He's right. he was like literally on his way to the fucking donate to charity. Yeah, <laughs> why couldn't it have been fucking Henry Kissinger or something? Right. Uh, but you know, that's that's a natural part of it too. Just being like, well, that doesn't make sense. And then you kind of have to go, well, I guess most of life doesn't make sense either. So yeah, why would this be any different? Yeah. And just being like, it sucks and it's going to suck forever. And it's nice when someone else just gets that. Like, they're not like, like people who haven't experienced it are like, so how are you now? And you're like, no, it's still, it's still just the worst. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Oh, it's weird. He came back. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's all better. We performed a resurrection. I actually stopped giving a shit. So I'm good. You know what? I decided he wasn't a good dad after all. Yeah. (laughs) And it helps me really compartmentalize when I change the narrative in my memory. Yeah, I had a dream uh, where he yelled at me, so I'm yeah. good. <laughs> right. No, we're going to hold this shit for the rest of our lives. Yeah, but I think that's kind of like your job, which sucks. But like, I think the thing that happens when somebody you love dies is like it, you it, you become the person who like carries on sure. how much you love them and how great they were and tells stories about them. And that's like 
I think I think it's good in a way that it sucks forever. It's and the fact that you and me that's our reaction that we want to carry on their memory. Right. It's, it's a testament to fucking how good of people they were. Right. What an impact they had on us. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because, you know, not everyone is lucky enough to have like good parents. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a totally unique experience, but. Yeah. And it's fun when people complain about their parents who are clearly great, but are annoying them. And you have to sit there and be like, I think that I think you should love them. <laughs> yeah, I think you should call them more frequently. <laughs> yeah, tell them how much you care. <laughs> right. Well, we have two minutes and fifty-one seconds left on this Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to stop it and do a brief wrap up, or should we see if we can beat the clock? I don't know. Uh, I, think, I think I've ex exhausted. Do you have any other thoughts on this? You, things that I. You Not wanted to say about yes. well, rest in peace to Tom. Yeah, he's a great guy, Tom Cassidy. Uh, he really does sound like it. Yeah, I'm glad you had a great father. I really am. And you too. I'm glad yeah. that you know they sound like similar guys. So. Yeah, very uh, kindred spirits. Yeah, it's good to know. You know, like even some yeah. of my friends with dead dads have bad dead dads. Exactly, and I'm like, shit. Sorry for your loss. But also, I think mine's yours. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, you you cut you cut a toxic person out of your life. <laughs> I yeah. lost a really fucking... yeah. Mine, a good person was taken from me. You yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even know how much I had it, but how yeah. good I had it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being so open and sharing this shit. I know it's uh, it's not always the most fun to revisit these things. So. Yeah, but it's but, good. It's but good it is kind of fun people. to, you know. Yeah, it's nice to talk about people and tell stories about them. So yeah. thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much, Lizzie. So that was episode nine. I'll grieve you with this. Thank you to Lizzie for sharing your story. Thanks to people at home for listening or wherever you're listening from. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to tell your friends about it. Why not? Couldn't hurt, right? Follow us on Instagram at I'll Grieve You With This Podcast. Um, write a review. Give us some five stars. I don't know. Validate my loss. Uh, thanks for listening. Call your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister or that person that you think is going to live forever because guess what? They're not. But that doesn't mean we can't enjoy the moment now. All right, that's it. Goodbye.